You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, thank you, Liz, for that introduction. Like Liz said, my name is Holly McDonald, and I'm the Kids Director here at Paradox Church, and I'm excited to be here with all of you this morning. And I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all of the mamas out there. You guys are doing an amazing job. You deserve more than a day to be celebrated, but I just hope that you enjoy your day, regardless that you have an awesome and relaxing day ahead of you. Now, I don't know about all of you, but this season for me has been a wild and crazy one. I feel like I have really high highs and I have really low lows. It seems like one minute I'm thanking God for all the extra time that I've had with my family or all the canceled events on my calendar. But then the next minute I'm finding myself angry at the disruption or I'm finding myself sad at the loss that so many have experienced in this season. It has just been absolutely crazy, but I cannot deny that God has not been working. He has been on the move this season and life has kind of forced us outside of the box, right? We, we have gone from doing church in a building to having church in our homes or our kids being sent off to school to now having to homeschool them. Or maybe for some of us, we're now working from home and we are just totally outside the realm of what's comfortable for us or what is normal for us. And the season has been marked by words such as socially distant, isolation, six feet apart, or stay at home. And although I think those words are good when it comes to the virus, how many of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, actually live life the same way? How many of us approach relationships the same way? Socially distant, arm's length away. If we're really honest, a lot of us are there. But I'm excited to tell you today that God does not call you or desire for you to stay there. God has deeper depth for you when it comes to community and relationships. And that is his design. But it's scary. And it is so hard to step into relationships sometimes. It's hard to invest in people, in the people around us. And here's why. Some of us think, right, it's so much easier to stay in our box that's comfortable. It's so much easier to stay inside the box because when it comes to relationships, sometimes stepping outside of the box and investing in new people or investing in relationships, there's awkwardness there. And if we're honest, awkwardness is very uncomfortable. I remember my husband and I, um, this past September, we started a young adult small group And anytime you gather eight to 12 people who really don't know each other or don't have much relationship with each other, anytime you gather a group like that in a room, there's bound to be awkwardness. And let me tell you, our first couple meetings were very awkward, but I'm so glad that we pushed through that because now we're a group of friends and now it's awesome. And it's Sure, I guess it could be awkward once in a while, but for us, it's not awkward anymore. And But if sometimes we get so caught up in that awkwardness 
that we don't go there in relationships and we stay an arm's length away. Or here's another one. We might think a lot of times that we're too old to make new friends. I remember when I graduated high school um, and I saw so many people going away to college. I didn't go away to college. And I remember thinking in my mind, how am I ever going to make new friends? Or when I had a new baby, my first baby, Lila, new motherhood can be such an isolating time. And I remember then thinking in my mind, how will I ever make new friends? It's hard. It's not easy to put yourself out there. And sometimes that's a way that keeps us at an arm's length from other people. Here's another one. I don't have time to invest in relationships. I don't know about you guys, but COVID-19 happened and it was like I already had a decent schedule. It wasn't too busy. It was kind of just right. But I had this schedule and then it all got wiped away and then it slowly all got filled back up again. Maybe you understand. You see, some of us, we, we went from an already busy scheduled life to a clear schedule to now it's busier than ever when you're trying to homeschool and, and coordinate all of your kids' meetings or you're trying to figure out how to balance work from home and take care of life at the same time or take care of your home at the same time. It's so easy for us to use that excuse and to fall back on that excuse that I don't have time to maintain relationships or invest in the people around me. Or how about this last one? A lot of times we keep people at an arm's length away or we don't invest in relationships because we've done that before and we've been hurt. You see, this one is all too real to me. I totally understand this tension because I've been there. And you invest yourself, your full self into relationship and then you get hurt. There's pain there. I remember when I was 16 or probably 16 or 17 years old, I remember actually having this thought that when I was going through all the breakups and all that kind of stuff in high school, I remember thinking, I can't wait to get married because then I'll never have to experience a breakup again. Now, I know that's not true for everybody, but it made sense in my 16-year-old broken heart. But seriously, this one is real, you guys. The pain and the hurt that can come with investing in relationships, the pain and the hurt that can come with friendships is not a joke. It's real. And it's really hard to break down that barrier. I know for me, when this happened, it's like I just built a wall up automatically. And it was so hard for me to let people pass the six foot, right? It was so hard to let people back in my life. And it was hard for me to see the people that God was putting, the women that God was putting in my life because I was so hurt before in the past. But the consequences of staying here, the consequences of buying into and listening to the excuses that we make when it comes to relationships are absolutely devastating. The consequences of pushing away from community or staying away from community are isolation, our loneliness, our self-sufficiency, it's deprivation. There's negative self-esteem that comes from it. Psychologists and researchers and the, the sciencey people actually say that a lack of good friends can actually lead to a decline in your health. Friends, we were made for community. You were made for relationship. 
You were designed for something more. Think about it. In the Bible, go way back in the book of Genesis, in the beginning of God's word, the first, very first book, God creates heaven and earth. God, God makes the animals and the sea and the trees and the birds and the flowers. He does everything. He says it's good. He makes man. He makes Adam. And he says, wow, this is very good. But God says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God knew that our lives were meant to be lived in community. God knew that our lives were meant to live with other people and for other people. Check out this quote from Ken Shigematsu. I think I said his name right. It's a book. I'm, he's, he's an author of a book that I'm currently reading right now. And he says this, we can have a relationship with God, fulfilling work to do, an enviable home and lifestyle. But if we don't have close friendship with others, we soon realize that something essential is missing. Essential meaning absolutely necessary, extremely important. I love this quote by Tim Keller. He says this, God made us in such a way that we couldn't even enjoy paradise without friends. Adam had a perfect quiet time every day for 24 hours, yet he needed friends. I absolutely love those quotes. Think about that. God knew that we couldn't even enjoy paradise without a friend. God designed us for relationship. God designed us for friendship. But I'm not just talking about the casual friendship. I'm not just talking about the superficial friendship. I am talking about soul friends, friends who shape you, friends who know the depths of your soul and love you anyway, friends who know who you are. Maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's your parents or maybe it's your siblings or your friends that you've known for a while or maybe maybe it's a new friend that you just met. But you know who those people are who know the depths of your soul, who know you inside and out and who make you a better person. That's the kind of relationship I'm talking about today. God designed you to have soul friends. And today, we're going to continue our journey in the book of Acts during this Outside of the Box series. We've been journeying through this book. And if you're just tuning in today, I just want to give you a glimpse, Acts, uh, give you a glimpse of what Acts is. Acts is a book all about the early church. It's about after Jesus left, it starts off where Jesus ascends into heaven. And now the disciples are on mission to bring the good news to the ends of the earth. That's what the book is all about. And today we're going to talk about a couple. We're going to talk about uh, a couple, of, well, it's a couple of friends and their names are Saul and Barnabas. And we're going to take a look at their relationship today. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Among them were Barnabas, Simeon, and Lucius from Syrian. Simeon was also called Niger. Another was Manahem. We had been brought up with Herod, the 
ruler of Gilead was among them. To wall, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit spoke, set apart Barnabas, and Saul for me, he said, I have opponent them to or work. The prophets and teacher fast and prayed. They placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul. Then they sent them off. So we're reading here in Acts chapter 13 that we're in the church at Antioch and there's prophets and there's teachers and they're fasting and praying and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And then they sent them off. Now, I just want to take a moment. I want to back up here for a second to Acts chapter nine. We're introduced to this guy named Saul and Saul is a persecutor of Christians, meaning he doesn't like them meaning that he threat he threatens them, meaning that he wants to murder them. He does not like Christians at all. But just like in God's character, he calls down to Saul, a light shone from heaven, and a voice comes out saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it's Jesus. And then God sends a message to um, this guy named Ananias, and he tells Ananias, or Ananias, I want you to go, and I want you to tell Saul that he's going to be a chosen instrument of mine. He's going to reach the Gentiles, and he's going to reach the children of God. And then Saul starts following Jesus. Instead of persecuting Christians and persecuting the disciples, he's now persuading other people to follow Jesus. And then one day, in Acts chapter 9, Saul decides I'd like to join the disciples. Maybe I should join them. We have the same mission. Why not? Well, the disciples weren't too fond of that idea. Let's read in Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 28. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe he was really one of Jesus' followers. But Barnabas took him to the apostles. He told them about Saul's journey. He said that Saul had seen the Lord. He told how the Lord had spoken to Saul. Barnabas also said that Saul had preached without fear in Jesus' name. In Damascus. So Saul stayed with the believers. He moved about freely in Jerusalem. He spoke boldly in the Lord's name. There is some goodness there. But Barnabas, verse 27, took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord. Barnabas took Saul in when everybody else was afraid to. Barnabas saw something in Saul that nobody else did. Barnabas took a risk. He risked his reputation. He risked his relationship with the other disciples, all for Saul. Barnabas took a risk on Saul. And here's the first point 
that I want to make today is soul friendships require stepping out. Soul friendships require risk. Barnabas' risk paved the way for God's word, for the good news to spread across the world. Think about it this way. If Barnabas didn't take a risk on Saul, if he, like the other disciples, were too afraid to let him in, had too much fear of the pain that Saul had actually caused them before and did not, and did not invest in him, we would not have majority of the New Testament as Paul is a writer of majority of the books of the New Testament. We can, we can focus on Paul and we can say, wow, he is a celebrity in the New Testament. But we would then would be failing to realize and we would be forgetting that Saul, behind Saul, is Barnabas. If we stay, it's the same thing for our friendships. If we stay inside of our box of comfort, if we stay where it's easy, if we stay where we're comfortable, we'll never experience the soul friendships that God has designed for us, that God has for you and I. You see, friendship requires us to step out of the box, to step into uncomfortable, to step into risk so that we can experience the depth of relationships that God is calling us to. Maybe you think, what if they don't like me? Or what if I ask them to hang out and they say no? Or what if I invite them into a discipling relationship and they reject me or they don't want me? But if we stay there, if we stay in the what ifs, we'll never experience the fruit of the deep relationships that God has for us. Friendships require, soul friendships require us to step out. And here's point number two. Soul friendships require openness. We could also say it this way. Soul friendships require us to share our lives with one another. If you've been around Paradox for a while, we like to say, do life together, right? That's discipleship, is life on life all the time, 24-7, living life together. That is discipleship. Jesus showed us what it looks like to share his life with other people. You might know in in his three years of ministry, he walked with 12 people, right? He walked with the disciples day in and day out. At times he retreated to go be with his father, his heavenly father. But most of the time he lived life with his disciples. Paul and Barnabas, the same way. We see in Acts chapter 13 through 15, we don't have time to cover it all today, but if you want, go read their missionary journey. Go read their story. They shared their lives together. Where one went, the other followed. You see, that's why social media can only go so far because we're limited to the frame on our camera. No matter how open we try to be, we're still limited by what our camera will show or what our frame will allow. But what does that look like in our lives? What does openness actually look like for you and me? I love what the scripture says in James chapter 5 verse 16. Check it out with me. So confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you might be healed. The prayer of a godly person is power. Things happen because of it. Praying together, 
confessing our sins with one another. Now, I know that's hard. I know that's scary. Talk about awkward. We think awkward silences are awkward. Confessing your sins can be awkward. But I'm telling you, God's design is perfect. And if he tells us to do it, then there has to be life in it. There has to be fruit in it that we will not experience if we don't do it. As scary as confessing our sins to one another is, it really just opens up the door for vulnerability, right? It gives us access to one another's heart and it allows us to pray for one another and to intercede for one another and to go before God, to go before the throne for one another. There is a deep level of trust and soul shaping that happens when we confess our sin to one another and when we're honest and when we're open with our friends. We get glimpses of this in, in Acts chapter 14 of Paul and Barnabas. We get glimpses of them, like in verse 23, it says that they prayed and they fasted when they committed these appointed elders to the Lord. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted together. They told other people in verse 27, they declared all that God, they gathered the church together to declare all that God had done in them. Who are you sharing things with? Who are you sharing and confessing your sins to? Who are you asking to cover you in prayer? Or who are you declaring all that God has done in your life to? God has designed us for deep relationships, pray together. It's scary. It's weird. It's awkward. But remember, we are not after surface relationships. We are after something so much deeper. Let's take a little dive into Paul and Barnabas, their actual missionary journey. And it says in Acts chapter 13, we'll back up. It says that they are being sent out by the Holy Spirit to the synagogues to preach the good news to the Jews. So they were starting off to the Jews. And they were telling them, Jesus is the one you want. Jesus is the one who you've been waiting for. He's the Messiah. He came. This is the good news. Your Savior is here. And not everybody actually loved that. And I want to dive into that a little bit with you this morning. Let's go to Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 14. From Paphos, Paul and his commit companions sailed to Persia in Pamphylia. There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem from Persia. They went on the Pisidian Antioch and the Sabbath day they were they entered the synagogue and sat down so part, Paul and Barnabas, they are on this journey. They set sail and they finally end up in Antioch of Pisidia, right? And this place is actually known as Galatia. And if you're a little bit familiar with the Bible, you know that there's a book of Galatians and this is Paul writing a book to the church here. So that, that's kind of cool. A little fun fact there. But Paul and Barnabas, they reach the synagogue and they are preaching and Paul stands up to encourage the people. And he starts telling them, hey, 
Let's go way back to when the Israelites were slaves and God redeemed them. And he starts going through the whole Bible, basically. And he tells them, Jesus came. This is the good news. He's already here. The Messiah is here. And after Paul gets done preaching, we pick up in verse thir- or chapter 13, verses 42 through 47. Check this out with me. Paul and Barnabas started to leave the synagogue. Two people invited them to say more about these things on the next Sabbath day. The people were told they could leave the service. Many Jews followed Paul and Barnabas. Many Gentiles who faithfully worshipped the God of Jews did the same. Paul and Barnabas talked with them. The tried to get them, they tried to get them to keep living God's grace. On the next Sabbath day, almost the whole city gathered, they gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowd, they became very jealous. They began to disagree. With the Paul was saying, they said evil things against him. The Paul and Barnabas answered the boldly, we had to speak God's word to you first. They said, but you are, don't accept it. You don't think you are good enough for internal life. So now we are turning the to the gentiles this is what the lord has commanded to us he said i have made you a light for the gentiles i will bring salvation to the whole earth isaiah 49:6 okay i'm going to read verse 40, 47 to you one more time it says this For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Why is that important? Why am I repeating that? Because verse 47 is Paul and Barnabas' mission. They are on a mission. They knew God said, I have made you a light for the Gentiles. Here's point number three. Soul friendships are made. They are united on mission. Soul friendships are made for mission. There is something that happens. This point gets me pumped up. There is something that happens when two people are going after God on the same mission. There is a unification that happens. You can't help it. But when you are on mission together with a friend, there is no stop in that relationship. That is a soul friend. Relationships go deep when you're serving side by side with somebody. I can remember on uh, my husband, my now husband and I, we went on our very first mission trip way back when we were juniors in high school. And I had never been on something like that before. Like I had done community service and different things like that to get hours, but I'd never actually been on a mission trip to serve the Lord. That was a brand new thing for me. And we went on this mission trip 
we were with these people for a week and absolute total strangers. I didn't really know hardly anybody. And I'm telling you what, something happened that week that I made friendship with these people who I served alongside of deep relationship that when we got back and when we were apart, our hearts just longed to be together. We would actually get in a little bit of trouble. Our youth pastors at the time would say, you guys probably should stop hanging out with them all the time. You got to remember your old friends. And there's so much truth. There's so much truth in that. But there was something that happened that I experienced the very first time being on mission alongside of people. Something changes. Who are you on mission with? Do you have a common goal with somebody? Who are you going after the Lord's heart together with? And here's the last, here's the last point. It's this, soul friendships have a lasting impact. Let's read Acts chapter 15 verses 36 through 41 together. Sometime later, Paul spoke to Barnabas. Let's go back to all the towns where we preach the Lord of the Lord. Let's visit the believers and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them, but Paul didn't think it was wise to take him. Mark had deserted them in Pilamphia. He hadn't continued with them in their work. Barnabas and Paul strongly disagreed with each other, so they went their separate ways. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas. The believers asked the Lord to give his grace to Paul and Silas as they went. Paul traveled for Celia and Caesarea. He gave him strength. He gave strength to the churches there. So just to recap, Paul had this idea. He wanted to go strengthen, strengthen the believers and go back um, and go back and talk to them and visit them. And Barnabas had this idea to take, take John Mark with him. And Paul didn't like it. And so the Bible says that they disagree. And we actually get a glimpse here of Paul and Barnabas's humanness, how they are just like you and I. They got in a disagreement and they parted ways. And sometimes the parting of ways is really, really sad. Sometimes there's a lot of pain or pain and hurt here, but sometimes the end to a relationship is not an end at all. It's a redefinition. And as we see in our Bible story today, Barnabas took with him John Mark and they continued to spread the good news and the word of God went and rapidly went all over the world. And, and Paul did the same thing. He went in a different direction and continued to tell people about Jesus. This ending to the relationship was not a loss in the kingdom of God. I know when relationships end, there can be pain, there can be hurt. But God, whatever is intended for evil, God intends and he uses it for good. It's like Paul and Barnabas became colleagues in a different location. They were doing the same thing just in just apart, just in different, different areas. And we've all had friends in our lives for a season, right? And, and how, here's what I want to, here's a thought I want to leave you guys with. How do we conduct ourselves? How do we approach relationships so that we ensure that we have a positive, lasting impact on them? 
How do we ensure that we actually leave the person? I love a good friend of mine just said it this way. How do we actually leave a person in better condition after our friendship might end or we might grow apart? Or did I do damage or did, or did we do damage? And that's a crazy thought to think about. I just want to leave with this. Mommies, a lot of us, a lot of us have really good relationships with our moms. And some of us maybe struggle in a relationship with our moms. But moms have this ability to leave a lasting impact on their kids. And I know so many moms in my life who are doing that so, so well. And mine in particular, my mom, she went from being my nurturer and my caretaker to now as I've gotten older, she is my friend. She is somebody who I can be completely open with, who I can be completely vulnerable with, who I know sees the depths of my soul and loves me anyways. To all the mommies out there, happy Mother's Day. You guys are soul shapers. You are doing an amazing job and keep going. And the lasting impact that our mommies give us is absolutely eternal. But here, here is our invitation today. The invitation is this. Jesus actually calls us friend. Maybe, maybe that's something that you've heard for a really long time, or maybe you learned that way back, um, way back in Sunday school. Maybe it's new information to you. Jesus calls you friend. John chapter 15, verse 15 says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. We're going to close our time with a song called Come As You Are. And that's the invitation. Jesus invites us into a relationship with him, into a friendship with him. And he says, come as you are. All of your brokenness, all of your pain, you can bring it to me. Jesus invites you to come exactly how you are. And Jesus chooses you every single time. Would you join me as we end our service this morning singing the song? And as we do, would you join me thanking God for the relationships around us, but most of all, thanking God that he invites us into a friendship with him. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.